0: Hey guys, how are we all? Uh, Today we've got another throwback episode where I am talking to uh, Kyle Chalmers of KC Critters. Now that name may ring a bell to some of you. Kyle has also represented Australia on multiple occasions uh, in the swimming uh, and the Olympics as well. And a big congrats to Kyle on his efforts in the recent Olympics as well. He did very well. Um, we talk mostly about blue morphs and other bits and pieces that Kyle has in his collection from memory in this episode. Now, of course, as always, these throwbacks are a few years old, so certainly some things have changed since then. Uh, we'll have to have a chat with Kyle at some point over the next couple of months to get an update on where things are at nowadays. Um, now, I will just preface by saying there is a bit of an echo effect for the bits where I'm talking. Um, unfortunately, we had some te- technical difficulties, which resulted in a, a bit of a feedback loop going on. Um, so you may notice that there'll be a bit of uh, feedback when I'm talking in this episode, although hopefully that won't be too much, as I think usually when I conduct these interviews, I would focus on the uh, the person more so than myself. So see how it goes. Um, hope you enjoy and see you next time.
1: There we go, there we go. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, how are you? Not bad, not bad. Very
0: good, all right. So, let's get into it. So, today today we are chatting with Olympic swimmer and uh, reptile keeper, uh, Kyle Sharman. He's based in in South Australia. He owns and breeds some incredible different different blue tongue moths, as well as some some different pythons and dragons and and other bits and pieces. So, let's get into into uh, it. So, so Kyle, how did the the reptile recession for you begin?
1: Uh, so I grew up in country South Australia, so Port Lincoln, which is about a um, seven-hour drive from Adelaide and uh, was lucky enough, I guess, to, to live on a bit of land um, and have quite a few reptiles, I guess, in the backyard. And, um, and my grandpa was, was always into it and, um, I guess, kind of got me involved, I think. Um, you know, just catching lizards and chasing lizards around as a kid, I remember. Um, and Grandpa, obviously, probably being that little bit braver than me, and, and catching a few blue tongues and bearded dragons and and that sort of thing, and um, it always, I guess, fascinated me. Um, I, and I guess I really wanted to keep keep them in uh, in the house from that stage onwards. And um, I guess I was lucky to to get a few bearded dragons as a kid. And um, it wasn't really, I guess, until I, I moved to Adelaide in two thousand and eleven that. I actually got into I guess keeping them properly um, yep. I had a few things here and there but um, the only real I had five bearded dragons as uh, growing up before I moved here but um, when I moved to Adelaide my, my parents wouldn't let me get, get and get any pets I, I ideally wanted a dog but um, they they said no to a dog so I um, ended up with a blue tongue so ended up with a with a blotched blue tongue to start with um, and i just um i get stuck on stuck on youtube so i came across joe ball's videos on youtube and uh discovered the the morph side of blue tongues and um i guess that's kind of where my real fascination with breeding reptiles and keeping all sorts of different things came and i think with anyone in the hobby you kind of get one thing and then the next thing comes pretty quickly afterwards and i think um as soon as i got back from the olympics in 2016 i saw uh Ryan Ernesti selling a few blue tongues, and um, I remember hitting him up about him, and and my collection grew to six pretty quickly, and it just really took off from there. And um, now I'm lucky that I've I've got quite a quite a good collection to work with on a daily basis. That's always the way it goes. That's
0: always the way it goes, then yeah, it
1: just from there. Yeah, it is, especially when you're. Uh, I guess in all the Facebook pages, and um, I guess I don't don't necessarily work a day job as it is. I, I swim in the mornings and kind of have most of the day off, so I see quite a lot of ads on Facebook, and um, I'm very good at justifying things to myself, so uh, as soon as I kind of see something available, I kind of know that I've got a few spare enclosures around home at the moment, so um, I quickly talk myself into getting things, which is something my girlfriend definitely isn't happy about. <laughs> um, so, with
0: the, blue
1: times, the first that you got? So I remember I, I, I didn't know a whole lot about morphs when I first got into it. I had no idea with genetics and how the genetic side of things worked. Um, science definitely wasn't one of my strong stronger points at school. Um, but I, I saw Ryan had um, produced some white northerns um, and a lot of poshep white northerns. So for me, I had no idea what a possible het meant. Um, but I was chasing blue tongues and um, they were at a price that I, I thought I could afford um, So I remember agreeing to Ryan that I was going to buy uh, Three I think I bought initially three maybe Posset white northerns um, yeah. And as soon as yeah. I'd kind of done that it was like I'm going get to get myself a white Northern. So the white northern was the first, um, first animal I bought and it was a male um, And and then within, I guess, a week, I had two hypermelanistics arrive in Adelaide um, from a guy in Brisbane. Brendan Dyer sent me those two, and um, I remember, and then I got in touch with Joe Ball and um, very quickly had an anarean and albino as well. So I kind of had the, the four base morphs very quickly to start with. Um, still at that stage, probably didn't know too much about genetics, but just was fascinated that blue tongues could come in so many different colour patterns and um obviously as a kid having a lot of easterns and westerns around in my backyard um i never thought that there was so many so many different morphs that they they could actually come in so the white northern was was uh, my first and probably still is my my favorite of the four morphs um i know i've got a an adult male that that um does really well breeding for me each year at the moment so that's probably why i i love the white northerns at the moment
0: yeah, well,
1: you did start. Yeah, well, you yeah, did start with one of the best looking ones, right. so that's always good. Yeah, absolutely. I was lucky. Ryan hooked me up with some um, with some great lizards, and the white he'd sent me was one that he was actually going to hold back. So I started with with one of the best pure white Northerns I could could get, and um, but yeah, they are they're stunning lizard. Mm. Mm. Um, and now, what
0: are you working, now, with, are you are you working, working with, with now? now?
1: Uh, so now I've I've started to get really into the double genetic stuff. So I've got an adult male snow. I've got a platinum. I've got an alabaster. Um, and then most of my stuff is is um, visual animals that are heterozygous for for multiple traits as well. So I'm working with with quite a number of I guess blue tongues and uh, and morphs. And I've actually got a larva as well that Joe sent down to me last year. So. I've kind of got quite a good good range of blue tongues. Um, I think for me I um, am a hobbyist first more so than a breeder so I've got um the animals just because I find them visually pleasing and you know if they don't they don't breed for me that's completely fine. I know that I've got them all in my collection and um, and I love being able to you know I've got them in a racking system at the moment so um opening up a drawer and seeing a completely different color blue tongue um is what i guess keeps me in it but uh but this year i've had had some pretty good luck i guess with my pairings at the moment i'm really hoping that most of them take off but um i i don't think i'll get too many double visual stuff but it's more about creating my my double heads and and triple heads this year and um and hoping to to raise them up and obviously next year will probably be the big one for me mm. Definitely is a waiting game. I, um, I guess I forgot how long it is between um, when you mate your blue tongues to when they actually give birth. So um, obviously most of my stuff mated towards the well between the middle of last month and end of last month, and um, it's gonna it's gonna be a long wait until December January. So. Uh, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think just the suspense is what is what does it for you as a as a keeper. And when they finally finally end up giving birth, obviously blue tongues is live birth. So um, when they when you finally see little babies running around in the enclosures, it's all uh, all worth it in the end. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. This so this is the main focus, is the main to focus for me the visuals as well. Um, I think the visuals, is always. I guess something that I, I've wanted to do. Obviously, you see Joe's um, Joe's animals that he produces every year, and uh, I've been lucky enough to go up there a couple of times and see him in the flesh. And it's something that I definitely want to do is follow in his footsteps, I guess, and produce some of these um, visually pleasing animals and um, that are kind of next level. And I think you know, being able to produce an animal that's never been produced in the world is is unbelievable. Um, but yeah, I guess you gotta make your double heads before you start to to do the double visuals and triple visuals and um, you know Joe's got these five gene animals now which is which is just next level, so um, so it's a long process but uh, it's I guess something that I love love doing and very passionate about so um, it'll eventually happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um and anyway, um do you have like a long
0: term goal that you're aiming for with them, or is it just seeing what happens? Just seeing what
1: happens? Just seeing what happens, I think. I think um at the end of the day, like I said, I'm i I'm a hobbyist and, and more so just enjoy enjoy keeping and looking after the animals and um you know, if breeding's always a of bonus, but um but it's not something that I'm definitely, you know, setting my my goals on is is doing that um, because I think there's there's definitely a lot of disappointment that comes with, obviously, unsuccessful breedings and babies coming out weak and dying and um, you know that that's something that I guess really upsets me in the hobby is when you have have an animal that dies and um, especially a baby. I think it's. Uh, Something that I definitely struggle with. Um, so mm-hmm. keeping keeping the animals is is my my main goal, and and babies are just a bonus at at this stage. Yeah. Yep. And uh, did, you have, and,
0: any did you
1: have many successes yeah. with breeding last year? Ah, uh, so last year I only had two females that were that were up to size. So I had um I had two two litters from those girls. um So produced a couple of anneries that were. White northern and a few post double heads from the other females, so it was uh, it was definitely a good, I guess, taste of what it is like to breed animals, and I guess kind of a bit of a um, what do you call it, like introductory year of what what to expect um, with how you know with breeding and. Um, I don't even know how to explain it, really. But anyway, it kind of gave me the... Ste- it was like a stepping stone real- year, really, for me. So this year, I kind of knew what to expect, kind of with cooling my animals, when to bring them up, when to start introducing them together, um, what I'm looking for with lock um, And I guess uh, it's all just a learning, learning game, really, and trial and error. So I think last year definitely set me up for a good one this year. And um, this year's a bit bigger. I think I've had maybe 10 females that... Have been mated two or three times each, so I'm hoping that I should get most of those girls um, having clutches. But but if not, again, I'm. Um, it's uh, it's just all a bit of fun for me, really. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. Yeah,
1: yeah definitely. experience Yeah, definitely. I think I've had a lot of great guidance in the hobby. Um, that. You know that's that's what it's all about. There's not many things you can you can't really just read about how to breed blue tongues or, you know, what what's going to happen. It's kind of talking to people and making friends in the hobby and, um, but yeah, just trialing trialing different things and seeing if it works. So, I've been lucky that yeah, I've made some good mates and um, it's something that I definitely enjoy being a part of. Yeah, yeah, and um, I was saying and,
0: that you've um, been breeding the beeties
1: as well. How's that been going? Yeah, it's good actually. I've got I've got a female that just finished laying about five minutes ago, so she's just uh, scraped her scraped her sand back over her eggs. So that'll be something to do tonight is dig up the eggs and um, put them in the incubator. But uh, but that's that's my first clutch of this season. Um, my big adult male died towards the end of just before hibernation. He was he was an older older lizard that I bought off of. Um, a guy in Wyala and I had him for a couple of years and he he ended up dying um which is kind of the way the way the hobby goes but I've got a young male that's um seems to have done the job this year which is exciting but and I've got maybe six or seven female beauties I think that I'm hoping he'll be able to cover a few of them and um I'm actually looking at the moment to to getting another male just so I can have a few more clutches of beauties because it's uh Definitely, my one, of my one of my well, my girlfriend loves having baby beeties. There's there's nothing better than seeing them hatch out of the out of the eggs with all their aggression. Um, so if I can get another male at some stage, that's um, something I'll look at doing. But yeah, the beauties I guess, is the the first animal I started out as, as a kid, and I guess to be able to to work with them and and uh, produce a few each year for the last couple of years has been been really cool. How uh, do you go about the incubation process? So I kind of just watch and watch the females, and when they when they start to to look a bit gravid or a little bit bit thicker, I um, put a lay box in with them. You can kind of tell pretty easy with beauties that the eggs seem to hang out the side of them, and you obviously start to see them scratching around to 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 lay their eggs. So put a lay box in and. Um, and as soon as she's kind of dropped her eggs, I'll uh, dig them up and put them in the put them in the incubator incubator. And um, I use vermiculite, and um, it's uh, been pretty pretty successful over the last couple of years, which has been good. But again, there's not like a whole lot of information about you know what what to do. It's all just trial and error, and um, talking <clears throat> to other breeders and hoping they give you the the correct information. So um, it's. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an exciting time of the year when when beardies start to to drop their eggs, and I guess they obviously do it before before the blueies start dropping their babies. So it keeps you keeps you going all year round, really. Mm. And uh, are you going for breeding uh, more, or, or just just breeding them? Yeah, just breeding them. I know that that I've got beardies that have um, genetics and stuff, but I really haven't haven't looked into the beardy genetics to be too much, to be honest with you. So um you know there's i've definitely got some beardies that can produce hypos and translucence and been lucky to produce a couple of hypo translucens last year um but really i just want my male to to get the job done with a couple of females if i get some clutches this year i'm happy so um it's it's not something i guess i've put a lot of focus into the beardies i i had a zero i bought a zero male um last year and and he he ended up passing away he he just yeah wasn't a overly healthy animal. Um, as it is with the morph game, there seems to be um, quite a lot of animals that don't come out overly healthy, and um, he he didn't didn't last very long. So, I've kind of shelved the the zero side of blue tongues. I mean bearded dragons for the time being, and it's um, it's something I definitely want again one day. They're, they're something that I've seen in America for a long time. The the white bearded dragons and. Um, something that I'll probably look at buying buying a baby again sometime this season but for now it's just uh, hoping to produce some of my own which um, I've got some cool colours and patterns but really it's just trying to get some babies. Oh that's still
0: fun oh, though, that's, yeah,
1: that's still a, fun, fun a different side to it as well. Yeah definitely it's a, it's a great side. I think beauties are one of the, the best um, reptile you can kind of keep in the hobby they're pretty inquisitive good to handle um, and you know they they're, they are really good fun, but um, and I, but yeah, at the moment I think like I've got got a few snakes that are that are looking pretty gravid, which is good. They've, I think I've had three girls ovulate and and one girl shed out um, two or three days ago. So I'm hoping hoping for a few clutches there with my antaresia. Um, my frill neck girls are both looking pretty pretty thick. I haven't haven't uh, seen a lock up, but I've seen my male doing a lot of head bobbing and um, chasing the girls around, but I haven't seen a seen a lock-up which I which is I think pretty common with uh especially even beardies I haven't seen a lock-up with my beardies I kind of put my male in and leave him with the females and um he does his job in private so it um it's all about to take off here at the moment um if I if I manage to get a few frill net clutches and a few few snake clutches as well it'll be it'll be um all systems go for me so I'm pretty pretty excited about it and uh, what's the what name of your brand this year? Uh, so I've got, I've got a marble male, and I've got two Het Marble girls um, that are uh, Steve Crawford um, that I purchased off him um, early last year, I think. So I've kind of grown them up and um, put them in together this year. Uh, I was I was away for for pretty well a month um, just recently, so. I kind of missed the python breeding season. Really, I didn't didn't get a good crack at it. But um, so I'm hoping that the girls are, the girls are gravid. Uh, that I've got some Stimson pythons that I think the the Het T plus girls definitely definitely should go. Whether the eggs are going to be any good will be the question. And then um, I've also got a T plus Stimson female as well that's ovulated. So I could have the potential to to have a few clutches of eggs, but um, Again, I'm not. I'm not too fussed if it doesn't happen. I'm just more more keeping them because I have always been fascinated by snakes, and, um, and I know my mum's always been pretty frightened by snakes. Well, so I think that's why I've always wanted to keep them. Um, but I kind of got them with the intention of not not really breeding them. I kind of got them with just to to have a few snakes in the collection to to mix it up a little bit. And um, but I thought I should give them a crack, considering I had them. Yeah something, a little different. yeah something a little different they're they're pretty good fun and i know that i guess i i really enjoy having um people come over and and i guess look through my collection especially a lot of my i guess swimming mates or school mates and um had a lot of a lot of the afl footballers come through and have a look at the collection and um i know a lot of people are kind of freaked out by snakes so i love kind of being able to pull them out and be And kind of show them that they're not this scary animal that you should fear and um, you know they're they're pretty pretty cool just doing their own thing and um, and I think I get a get a bit of an adrenaline hit every time I get to feed snakes and uh, you you know I've still got a few that that tend to try and bite me especially these guys this time of night the green tree pythons fire up you can see they're kind of in their feeding mode at the moment so um, it's it's always good fun and but yeah, it's something different in the collection, and something that I've always wanted is, especially the green tree pythons. I kind of had a had a list of three three reptiles I really wanted to keep as a kid growing up. It was green tree pythons, frill necks, and um, a crocodile. So the crocodile's the only thing I haven't haven't managed to keep yet. But it's something that I I'm in the process of getting my, my license for. I've I've um, done all my paperwork. I've just got to build an enclosure and. Um, get it ticked off. So eventually, I'll get a freshwater crocodile, which is something I'm very excited about. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's good. That's a perfect. Yeah.
0: Perfect to tri- yeah, perfect,
1: there, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think all keepers or or people in the hobby have had something that's kind of brought them into to keeping um, animals, and I think lots of people have kind of said freshwater crocs aren't the best thing to keep, but it's it's something I've always wanted to keep as a kid growing up, so I know that that I'll get one and I'll and I'll tick the box and um, I guess see see whether I enjoy it for, to make that decision. But um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely exciting. I think I'm I'm more heading in the direction of having animals that I can have out on display and enjoy. You know, like the racking systems are great and. Um, and it's great to be able to keep a lot of animals in small in small spaces, but um, I really love being able to come into my reptile room, I guess, and be able to see animals out doing doing their thing. Yeah, it's just a different
0: element. Yeah, color it's just a different
1: color being able to, and see, everything, being able to everything, see everything rather than just yeah, having definitely. The room just just having the room. <laughs> yeah, the racks. I mean, the racks are perfect for snakes and blue tongues, really, because they kind of just hide in much mm. like, hides anyway, um, and you hardly see them. I bought, I bought. Eight, um, eight enclosures uh, towards the end of last year, and kind of put my eight best blue tongues out on display. Um, but they they just sit in their hides the whole time, and and kind of come out to eat and drink, and that's about it really, and head back in there. So um, you don't get to see them as much as as much as, as I like. So um, I guess there's plenty of animals that you can get out that are visually pleasing and easy to display. So I guess that's probably the direction I'm I'm heading in in the, in that regard. And and uh, with
0: all of your and, um, swimming of your training, your
1: training and training, how do you manage to find the balance, the balance looking after the animals looking after and, the, animals and the training and the swimming kind of thing? Yeah, well, I guess it's kind of the perfect distraction for me really. So I I train uh, in the mornings quite early and, and I'm normally done at the pool by 9.30, 10 o'clock at the latest. Um, and I'm not back at the pool until 2:30 in the afternoon, so I've got pretty well four and a half hours to sit around. And um, I guess I spend most of my time out in the reptile room, which is which is perfect for me and, and gives me the distraction I need from elite level sport. Um, it's a it's a challenging a challenging thing. Sport like we spend probably 40 hours a week training, um, and I guess getting ready for that those next competitions and. Um, it's, uh, it can be quite, quite a challenge, I guess, mentally as well. You need, you need um, definitely things to take your mind off of swimming, otherwise you're just completely focused on it all the time and, and you burn out pretty quickly. So, um, you know, I think swimming's a hard sport to, to have a day job or, or be studying. Um, so the reptiles really gives me that, that escape I need and um, it gives me a whole nother, another world, really. I've got a whole group of friends in the reptile hobby, they kind of know me as, as KC Critters rather than Kyle Chalmers, the swimmer. And um, you know, I can come out here and, and clean animals and um, feed things. And you know, they they're fully reliant on me um, to to be there for them. So so I guess it's it's been perfect for me balancing out my life is having having the reptile hobby. And I know that that when I go away on on trips, which is quite regular, I'm I'm able to go see you know anywhere in the world really you can see reptiles um mostly in captivity and i've had some awesome experiences with that and being able to meet some cool collectors um around australia and check out collections and um it definitely opens up a whole new world of opportunities the reptile hobby so um I, i think i'd be very very lost without it um so yeah, real like I said, it's it is the perfect distraction, and um, I guess the only real challenge I face with it is when I when I go away, um, it's always a challenge. I guess most the, I, I remember, like I used to rely heavily on my mum and dad to to clean and feed animals when I'm away, but um, now I've got some good mates that that are willing to come and help me out, which is which is very lucky. Um, if I if I didn't have those guys in the hobby, then I know that I. I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing, so um, I'm very lucky that I've been able to form those relationships and and can rely on them to to help me out when I need need them to. Um, I think most of the like each year we have our big competition, whether it's like world champs or Olympics or Com Games, and they're they're all kind of around that that time period where everything's in hibernation, which is which has kind of worked out really well. So I'm able to. To get home at the start of August and start switching everything on and um, and I'm kind of here here at home for, for most of the year now so um, I get to enjoy enjoy I guess doing all the breeding and um, everything's relied on me feeding on feeding them quite regularly at the moment so it's um, yeah it's really the perfect hobby to be in.
0: I it's, and I guess
1: it's, as you said it's that perfect right away. time right. while you're away it's right. cool down anyway so there's not a whole lot of things to be. yeah definitely I think um, obviously my mum came through and checked on most things while I was away this time around but it was really only my green tree frogs and um, and my Amy geckos that really needed feeding while I was away so um, everything else kind of looked after themselves because they were asleep and um, by the time I got home, I mean, I sent sent a few things out to, to people's houses to look after, like my little Spencer's monitor went up to, to Steve's house and I had a little python go to Steve's house and some beauties went up that I kind of wanted to raise up. But other than that, everything was uh, was asleep, which was perfect. Yeah, that works out well. Yeah, that
0: works out well. Do you have any tips on your way that you give off? to the people looking after them?
1: <laughs> No, not not really. I think um, there was a point where where my mum and dad would have to come in and feed snakes, which um, which completely freaked them out because they hated snakes. Uh, but no, I've never never really had to give too many tips. My my mum and dad have always been pretty pretty good with looking after I guess my animals while I've been away, and um, mum's definitely definitely right into the reptile hobby and is fascinated by it all, so she's pretty good at. You know me being able to say this is what needs to happen and and she just goes ahead and does it. so um, I've had had no real tips that I've had to had to pass on, which has been lucky. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, used to use, I used to use paper as a substrate with blue tongues, which was which was um always a challenge because obviously as soon as the blue tongue, they quite regularly knock over their their water dishes on the paper and it kind of needs to be cleaned straight away and because um, it knocks up their humidity in there, which is not what you want or. Um, as soon as they poo on the paper, it just stinks. Um, so I think they're very glad now that that I'm using like a wood-based um, substrate, so it's it's a bit easier to manage. Um, but uh, so that I guess that's a little trick now that they they don't have to worry about is is cleaning paper all the time. Yeah. Fair enough.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. And um and with living in South Australia, have you or have any or travels
1: on your travels as well, do you do much field curving? it's something I definitely want to get into a bit more, I think South Australia, especially in the Adelaide City, there's there's not a whole lot you can kinda of do. Um when I when I get over home in Port Lincoln, you you see plenty of blue tongues and shinglebacks while you're driving, and um, plenty of beauties. And um, but I guess it's something that I haven't haven't done a whole lot of. Uh, it's something I probably don't get enough time to do either, which is which is a challenge. But um, I think as soon as I start to get some more breaks from swimming, um, I've talked with a few of my reptile mates about doing doing some more herping trips. Um, Darwin last year when I was in Darwin, I got to, to go out and do a do a little bit out there and, and kind of just look around for some things. But, um, but yeah, it's something I definitely want to get to be able to do a little bit more of. And um, as as I get a little bit older, I think. Yeah, definitely. It's always different. It's always
0: a different side to the reptile zombies going out and seeing them.
1: Yeah, I think it's a, a very handy thing to be able to do is obviously go out into the wild and especially seeing blue tongues and beaties and things that I keep in captivity, seeing how they actually live in the wild and um, I was up in Kingscliff uh, on the New South Wales border um, last weekend and was able to check out some eastern water dragons that were cruising around out there and uh, managed to catch a couple which was cool but yeah seeing seeing I guess critters in the wild is is the uh, is very satisfying and you know it, it's um, I know it gets my heart, heart rate up a little bit when I see see something in the wild and want to go check it out so um, I could only imagine going up north and, and seeing big monitors and freshwater crocs and um, pythons in the wild would be something that I definitely do want to experience
0: I think the best part I think the the best best me, is, at least for me, you out for when you've gone out, out for a whole day, and then just when you're about, and then just
1: when you're about to turn around and go back, you find thing. you find that thing that you've been looking for. Yeah, that's definitely. Always it's hard. It keeps you going again for the next time, gets you back out there the next uh, day. <laughs> yeah,
0: definitely. And COUTTS- Yeah, definitely. Um, so, on your um, so on your travels. <laughs> I
1: uh, remember seeing remember and being with a komodo dragon. What was that like? What was that like? Yeah, that was um, that was up at Hartley's in uh, in Cairns. So, um, I met a guy who who took me out and we looked at massive saltwater crocs just outside of Cairns and the river. And on a little three metre tinny, we were going up going up the river and seeing these crocs that were were up to four metres, I guess, some of the males and. Um, and then yeah, he he lives and works at Hartley's uh, Wildlife Park, and he took me around for a private tour, and um, he kind of told me about this Komodo dragon and how he gets in the in the pond and and has a beard most nights in there in the pond with the, with this Komodo, and says how he's told was telling me how friendly it was, and and I could kind of didn't believe him because I you know I've watched the documentaries, especially Steve Irwin, obviously on Komodo Island, and um, kind of envisioned these. Uh, pretty wild, uh, big, big monitors. Uh, and at that stage I had a, had a little Mertens and, um, had kept Akis and, and had a couple of little monitors that I'd, I'd played with and I knew that they were always pretty, pretty feral really. Um, but yeah, I guess when I, when I walked into the enclosure and this big, uh, Komodo walked over to me and, um, you know, he told me to lean down and pat it on the chin and, it was, um, I guess, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity really to say I've been able to, you know, play with a Komodo, pick one off the ground. That was pretty cool, and um, just spend some time up close with, I guess, the biggest, biggest monitor species in the world was was pretty awesome. And um, I've been able to do some really, really cool things um, with that. Like obviously, Malaysia last year, I, was, I played with some reticulated pythons and um, ball pythons. Like I watch a lot of YouTube, so seeing ball pythons and retics up close was was pretty awesome and um in japan i played with some chameleons and um pretty pretty much any any reptile species you could imagine they had at this cafe in japan so you could kind of order a coffee and and play with play with snakes and and geckos and lizards which is something i think we're definitely lacking in australia um Got to play with tegus and, uh, Brazilian rainbow boas, corn snakes, leopard geckos, you kind of name it. They, they had it at this, this reptile cafe in Osaka. Um, but yeah, like I said, you kind of can go anywhere in the world really and, um, get to experience reptiles. And, um, especially when you go overseas, you can experience all of those, um, reptiles that we obviously can't keep here in Australia in captivity. So, so it's been really cool. And, um, it's 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 definitely a great distraction when i'm overseas getting ready to compete is being able to go out and look at a zoo and just look at the reptile part or um i don't like i've had had some awesome experiences like up in darwin i got to to jump in a cage with the big saltwater crocodiles um at croc cove which was which was pretty special and um there's plenty of experiences that i kind of will remember for forever it's it's been been very special and um, towards the end of this year I'm over in the States And I'm hoping Hoping to make it up to Detroit To to go check out Brian Barjek's, um Reptarium And um, Obviously there You can play with Plenty of other cool animals And um, Komodo dragons Is something that are, I mean not sorry Komodo dragons Anacondas is something that I'd love to have the experience Of holding And um, getting to experience In real life So um, Plenty of things to tick off And um, Yeah it's uh, It's been been Good so far
0: well I mean
1: <laughs> well for being a proper way being Owen Pelly. What was that like? Yeah. What was that like? Yeah, definitely like, the old Pellies, um I'd kinda of, kinda of known that Steve was, was getting old Pellies there for a little while. Um but to be able to I guess experience them in the flesh it's um it was very special there. They're really weird weird snakes. Um but I guess the rarity of them is what really excite excited me. Being able to being able to hold them and um, yeah, get get to experience something that not many else people else have have experienced so far. But I think you know getting getting those snakes into a guys like Steve's hands and obviously Gavin's doing a great job with them um, that they will become more readily available in the hobby, which is which is exciting. Uh, things like that, I think everyone everyone really wants to keep at some stage. Um, Steve's lucky. He's one of the first people to be able to do it. So um, I get to enjoy it from afar at the moment. Yeah, well, do they... Yeah,
0: well, do they like, how do they feel? Like, how do they Is, it feel? Like Is it
1: like anything else or are they just completely different? Oh, I don't know whether it's just the rarity and kind of how special they were, that I was probably a little bit nervous holding them, that I probably didn't really think about that too much. I was more just worried about supporting the snake and kind of letting it do its thing that i didn't really think about um how they felt or or whatnot but um i'll uh, definitely let you know next time i i get to play with them but i've only i've only had the opportunity once so far and um it was it was very special and um yeah it's something that hopefully steve lets me do again soon and something that one day hopefully i can get in get into my collection mm, that would be, that would be for a long time until there. They're down in price a little. Yeah. yeah. Well, you do have a
0: lot well,
1: you do have another bucket list for a lot of people sitting right behind you with the green tree. Yeah, definitely. They um, they are bred by Steve as well. Actually, Steve's looked after me a bit in the past. Um, but yeah, they were they, like I said, they were something that I that I dreamed of keeping as a kid. And I remember just looking through my reptile books as a kid and being so fascinated by these green pythons and. You know there's nothing really like them um especially in australia Uh, obviously there's the emerald tree boas which are which are similar but um but yeah the green trees are are something that i that i love and um they're they're out in their visual well they're in their enclosure they kind of sit there and do do nothing until uh night time when the lights get switched off but i love being able to come out here and i guess check it check out them crawling around the enclosure and um but yeah they are they are definitely a bucket list animal and They're a specialist specialist, uh, reptile here in South Australia, so you have to apply and do paperwork. And um, it's something that I think I'll I'll probably keep a few more of eventually. Um, At the moment, I've just got the the young juvenile pair. But, um, yeah, watching them go through their their colour change and um, they're just cool animals to keep, really. Like, I I do love my green tree pythons and, um, yeah, they're probably... Probably one of my, my favourites in the reptile room. That's for sure. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah for sure. It every day. I think you know you come out here and you kind of like oh the fillies are fillies are up fired up. They're my, they're my favourite today and um, yeah it definitely definitely changes. My my little Spencem monitor at the moment is probably my personal favourite in here at the moment. I'm I'm able to I guess handle him quite a lot. He's he's pretty handable and um, so I get him out most days and have a play just because I want to build that really good relationship with him. I kind of let him crawl out onto my hand to make sure he's in a good mood and um, doesn't see being handled as a bad thing. But, um, but yeah, every day it's a, it's a new favourite new reptile, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Was there, was there anything else that you
1: wanted to show us? Uh, well, I can do a bit of a... Can I turn the camera around? You should be able to. You should be able to. Uh, let me have a look here. I, wonder what is. I don't know. I might have to just do it this way around. Yeah, but everything's kind of sweet. Yeah. This is my Spencer's monitor's enclosure here. He's only a small little guy. He's curled up in his rock. But my beauty, the unused, just laid her eggs. I've taken everything out. to, She's just laid up in there today. I didn't, didn't put the uh, the lay box in with her her this time around because she didn't didn't lay in it last time. She laid in the water, so I made sure I get the water out. Um, but yeah, there's there's some beauty enclosures up there. Yeah. This yeah. was my frog enclosure, um, but it blew out the bottom of it, the glass kind of popped and the water came out, so they've moved been, been downgraded for the time being. Uh, my frillies are, frillies are up in there, I don't know if you can see them, yeah. can you see them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. my big male's up there, it's one of my females, you can see she's she's pretty thick at the moment, which is cool. Yeah,
0: definitely. The other yeah, definitely.
1: And uh, and then yeah, my racks are kind of over this side, of yeah. the room. Yeah. Um, I've only I've only just moved into this house last week, so everything's kind of in the process of getting set up. So eventually, I'll get my display animals up into to these enclosures and um, have my my blue tongues back out on display, which is cool. And um, I've got my my ameas are in there. Yeah. They're they're yeah. not quite ready to come out yet. There's a bit of light still going and. I've got my green tree frogs over in here, which again is one of my one of my favourite, I guess, enclosures. I got I've got little guppies in the in the water. Um, they kind of feed the live plants in there, and and the frogs kind of clean up a few guppies here and there if they're if they're hungry enough. So it's, uh, it's definitely a yeah. a reptile room that's that's pretty cool at the moment. I, I enjoy spending time out here, and um, it's only going to get better as I kind of settle into the house and um, and set things up the way that I want to get want to get set up. So, this was a this well this was a garage originally. So I've been in the process of carpeting the floors. I got a um a wall built up against the the roller door last week, and um, I've got an air conditioner installed. So it's kind of starting to turn into to the perfect reptile room that I that I envisioned a couple of months ago. So it's um yeah it's it's exciting. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I, I, I post it. As the collection expands, as collection expands it around, things will get moved
0: around. As the as the collection expands,
1: you've always got to find room for for new things. So obviously the crocodile enclosure is probably the next thing, so um trying to trying to work that out and I'm, I'm I really wanna be able to keep some stuff out, outdoors, I think um, Especially being able to rotate blue tongues and bearded dragons outdoors in the summer. Obviously, winter in Adelaide's quite cold, so it makes things difficult. But um, but yeah, being able to rotate things outside, something that I that I want to look to be able to do in the future. And um, so moving moving a few things outside means that I can move move some cooler things inside as well, which will be which will be exciting. But I um I post my daily content on my Instagram, and I've got a Facebook page to start started up as well, so um, you can see cool photos of well, what what I think are cool photos of my collection most days. Yeah. what yeah. um, quickly,
0: What locale are those
1: frillies? Uh, they're far north Queensland frillies, actually. So, uh, okay. Again, they're they're a specialist license. So I'd I'd done my done my license and got my paperwork and uh, approval of that. And um, so my girlfriend wanted to surprise me with was frill necks because she knew that I I'd always wanted to keep them and. Um, yeah, so so managed to get them. Uh, when were they? When did I get them? Maybe middle of last year, and and they've they've grown up to size pretty quickly, and obviously a mating mating really early. So um, it'd be be cool to hatch some baby frillies out, but if not, like I said, they're they're one of my dream animals to keep, and I'm a bit lucky to to work with them, and I've obviously got that big display enclosure that blew out the frog one. Um, so I'm looking at maybe getting some NT frillies at some stage as well, and um, they're they they're cool animals. Mine mine are all super tame, so I I never really get to see them frill up. I've only seen one of my girls do it once, um, so I want to get some probably more wild animal wild frillies that um kind of fire up at me. That's the that's the plan. Yeah, that's but there's always, yeah, but there's always the animals I see every day that I'm like, I've got to get them and. Um, you know, I've got to try and talk myself out of getting a few things, I think, because I end up with too much and it becomes, becomes more of a, more of a job than a hobby, I think, when you, when you end up with too many animals. So I'm kind of at the point at the moment where it's, where it's a bit of fun and and it's a hobby. But I think if I added, added too many more animals, it it becomes a bit too stressful. So, um, definitely enjoying it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well. Well, that's all of my questions.
1: Um, unless there's anything um, else um, that you wanted want to bring out. No, nah, I think that's all, mate. Um, kind of ticked, ticked most of the boxes. Uh, appreciate appreciate your time. Appreciate you wanting to do a podcast with me. It's been it's been cool. Obviously, I've watched watched most of yours that you've done, and uh, feel privileged to get the head nod and uh, get the gig on you. So, thanks for thanks for that, mate. And. Uh, Everyone everyone knows you've got some awesome animals as well, and, and I look forward to seeing what you're going to produce this season and obviously the seasons to come. So it's, uh, it's exciting to be able to, to watch your journey as well. Thank you
0: very much. Thank you very much. Where can people, where can people follow
1: all of your <laughs> Uh So the best place to follow obviously is my, my reptile page, which is KC underscore critters. Um, I'm now posting to Facebook as well, but Instagram's probably... Probably the main one where I post most days and post post a few stories here and there. Um, I try and I try my best to do a daily post. I think I do a pretty good job of it. I think I miss a few days here and there, which which I get stressed out if I miss a day. But um, but that's my best one. And then if you wanna wanna follow my swimming career, that's just on my personal account, which is just Carl Chalmers on Instagram. So um, I'm uh, pretty active on the social media. Kind kind of have to be with sponsors and that sort of thing. So um, but yeah. I... Obviously, spend most of my time on my reptile Instagram, and love being able to watch guys like you and and their journeys in the reptile hobby, and and keeping up to date with what's going on, not not just in Australia but around the world. So um, it's a it's an exciting exciting hobby to be a part of. Yeah, plenty of yeah, plenty yeah, of animals. Perfect.
0: Thanks
1: for that. Appreciate it. All right. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. Thank you very much. <laughs>
0: Alrighty. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you could bear the uh, the feedback there. I was listening to bits and pieces of it while I'm recording these and I can tell there's a lot of feedback, unfortunately, but uh, regardless, thank you again, Kyle, for your time during that interview. That was a, a very insightful interview and greatly appreciate, you know, having that opportunity. Um, now, if you want to see more of what Kyle gets up to these days, uh, the information of, uh, where to find him is largely the same. Just look for KC Critters and you'll find all the animal stuff. And again, if you're after his swimming career stuff, just Kyle Charm is what you'll be after. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I think that will do us for today's episode. I hope you have enjoyed. If you want to see anything that I get up to, uh, it's Josh's Aussie Reptiles. If you're after Dane on anything, uh, it's Blue Horizon Reptiles. Alrighty, thanks guys. Hope you enjoyed.